It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, here we go. We're live now. Welcome, everybody. I'm being joined today by Sean, Sean Burcham. Sean Burcham is the author of Keeping Score with Grit, Straight Talk Strategies for Success. He's also the founder and CEO of PFS Brands, which he and his wife Julie started out of their home in 1998. The company has over 1,500 branded food service locations in 40 states and is best known for their Champs Chicken franchise brand which was started in 1999. Sean Burcham, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bert. Glad to be here. My pleasure. Well, you know what? I'm excited to have you. Uh, you know, it's one thing. It's one thing to create a business. Uh, it's, it's one thing to create a business with, you know, three or four or five locations. Uh, 1,500 locations. You're in a class of entrepreneurship that very few businesses ever get to. So I'm excited to pick your brain and, and hopefully uh, share some strategies with our uh, with our audience. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's been a fun ride, uh, as you can imagine, coming from the garage to, to where we are today. So uh, there's lots of things that, that we can share that have been challenges and uh, successes along the way. Yeah, and, and the fact that both, uh, you know, you and your wife started this, uh, you know, as, as you said, in the garage there, um, that uh, makes it exciting because, you know, one of the uh, persistent myths is, you know, don't work with your spouse, don't work with friends and family. And right off the bat, it's you and Julie who started this. So talk about working with your spouse as a business partner. Uh, did, you know, did, were you and Julie like on the same page right off the bat? Yeah, I think uh, that we, we were on the same page. Uh, she did a lot in the business in the early days, as you can imagine, just helping support anything I might need from the office. Uh, I like to tell the story that when we started uh, originally, let me just back up a little bit. When we got married, we made the decision that she was going to stay home with our kids when we had kids. So uh, we had had our first daughter uh, at this time in 1998. And in 1999, I decided to quit my job right after she had quit her job in 1998. So I like to say that we went from a double income, no kid family to a one kid, no income family pretty much overnight. So uh, we were definitely aligned in the fact that uh, she was supportive in what I was doing and uh, definitely helped in the business in the early days. But, uh, man, it was a struggle those first two or three years, as you can imagine, with no income coming in. We had to go out and earn it on our own. So, uh, She's, uh, I like to say she ultimately did the harder job with our three daughters. She, she really did the, uh, the work at home and allowed me to go out and, and do the work on the business mostly. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So how, you know, uh, hats off, uh, and, uh, uh, to, to our stay home moms or stay home parents since things have changed quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, being a stay home, uh, parent is a very difficult job and it's, uh, you know, our, uh, our stay-at-home moms are such unsung heroes. Uh, raising children is, is uh, not only just a, a difficult, challenging uh, job, if you will, but so important because, you know, 
bad kids, for lack of better terms, turn out to be bad adults who end up doing bad things, you know, and that's obviously a very uh, uh, simple generalization. But, you know, when there's a when parents are involved, kids tend to do better. Uh, they they work. They, they learn the work ethic um, and, and they just have a better self-esteem. But it's so, so it's a very difficult and sometimes unseen job. Yeah, it really is. I, and I respect both, uh, you know, stay at home parents and those uh, those parents that are, are both working. I mean, it's there's challenges with both of those uh, uh, those lifestyles that you choose. It just happened to be the one that we chose. And, uh, uh, you know, it, I think it's even tougher for for spouses that stay in stay at home with those that are extremely driven. Yes. Uh, and, and really uh, have such a drive in their work. And she's certainly been uh a stable piece of the environment that has made this thing work for me. Sure, sure, absolutely. So uh, congratulations, Julie. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, uh, right now, uh, you, you are the author of the best-selling book, Keeping Score uh, with Grit, St uh, Straight Talk Strategies for Success. So here you are, you're running this very sizable business, and you're thinking, man, i got to write this book. What was the inspiration behind the book? Yeah, really, it was a lot of people just telling me to write a book. I, I really, as you go through this entrepreneur lifestyle and, and you live it every day, it's it's just what you do. And you really don't think you're doing anything unique or special. And uh, I just continued to talk to people and they said, man, you, you should write a book. And I'm like, you know, I'm just I'm just out here working. I'm not sure a book's going to be good. And uh, the more I thought about it and the more encouragement I got, uh, the, the more I thought that really I could help serve my core purpose, which is helping others be more successful in work and in life. And uh, man, I hope this book does it for some people. I, I know I've read a lot of books that have really helped me. And uh, my book actually talks about the, the story that I wasn't a big reader. In fact, I didn't read. Uh, I read two books in my entire life until the time I was 40. And that was back in the eighth grade. Uh, so I tell that story in the book and ultimately uh, at, at age 40 reading got me out of a big rut in my business cycle. And, and ultimately I've become an avid reader and encourage others to do the same. And uh, it's really ironic that I've become a writer and, uh, and, a, and an avid reader, but most, most importantly, a, a writer uh, when I hated reading and writing, I mean, going through high school and college and, and those types of things, these were my worst two subjects. Sure. So it's, sure. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of irony in this book as well. <laughs> That's good. Well, you know what? I, I agree with you. Books, are so powerful um there is a uh there is a book out that's just a kind of a an entertainment slash historical book and it's about the uh the assassination or attempted assassination on george washington and so the person who wrote the book spent many many years doing all this historical background or research uh to make it as as accurate as possible and one of the things that he found out is that when George Washington was elected, uh, you know, the general of the army, the first his first act was to go out and buy two books on warfare, because when he became the general, he had been he had not been a soldier, a active soldier for like 15 or 20 years. And the first thing he did is he bought two books on warfare and warfare strategy. And I just thought that was so amazing. It shows you the power of books. Yeah, it really does. It's kind of ironic that you would say that because I like to tell people that anytime I'm in a rut and ultimately how we've developed uh, the, the book and grit business coaching has been 
from going out and, and capturing the best ideas from the best thought leaders in the world. So anytime I'm stuck on whether it's in my personal life or, or whether it's in business, man, I just go out there and I try to find the best two or three books on the subject and it seems to help. So uh, that's ultimately how, how my book got established and, and how we built Grit Business Coaching uh, to where it is today. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and uh, absolutely, I agree with you. Books, uh, they, they get you out of your head. You, you're getting ideas and, and that one idea can have a massive impact on your family or your business or, or, or something. And it's just uh, extraordinary. And uh, so uh, I want to talk about this. Again, the book is called Keeping Score uh, with Grit, strategy, uh, Straight Talk strategies for success and obviously you spelled grit with two t's so it's uh what does the acronym grit stand for yeah a lot of people think i can't spell which uh you know that's that's realistic too but uh the the grit the really that last t is very symbolic in what it means but uh it, it is an acronym for five things it's goal driven is the g uh, we talk as a company and in our coaching company of Grit Business Coaching, we talk about setting goals. The reality of it is uh, a very small percentage of the population actually set goals. And that was a unique concept to me that I picked up from reading uh, that I've just always been an avid goal setter. So I, I didn't I didn't know what I didn't know about other people. The, the R is responsible, meaning that you have to be responsible for uh, everything uh, within the company, not just your own actions, but uh uh, responsible for others as well, especially if you're a leader. Uh, the I is involved. The T is team. And uh, the last T is actually what I consider to be one of the most important. I, I talked to my daughters about this, but I talk to everybody in the company. We, we have a company that has a tolerance of failure. So that last T is tolerance of failure. And, and we, we really coach around the concept that, it, man, it takes so much failure to be successful uh, and so many companies beat you up for not hitting a goal or, or, or you know, not hitting a specific number. And, and we're certainly a metric driven company and, and we have those same types of things. But I believe in a philosophy of 70 to 80 percent accomplishment of your goals, uh, because I believe if you're accomplishing 100 percent, you're ultimately not pushing yourself enough. So that tolerance of failure is very uncomfortable for some people. And we try to get them out of that uh, a little bit and, and into a different mindset. Sure, sure. Absolutely. We all want to avoid looking bad, being embarrassed, and failing is certainly uh, is uh, synonymous uh, with uh, with those things that we want to avoid. It's it's very painful. It's uh, like I said, it, it can be embarrassing, but it's also a great teacher. And the reality is, is that anybody who's done anything on a big scale has failed multiple times to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's uh, it's just something, again, that's kind of been ingrained in my life. So I didn't know what I didn't know until I, I really started reading and studying on, on various different subjects. And goal setting was one of them. Uh, you know, again, as a as a company, also that involvement in that eye is, is ultimately we we make sure that everybody understands our strategic plan. We have an open book management philosophy inside our company. And, and ultimately, we just make sure that everybody knows about business. Uh, again, something else that I, uh, it was kind of an aha moment in 2011 when I started reading that uh, most people don't understand how businesses operate. In fact, they they mostly think that uh, owners and operators are making far more money than you actually are. So the yeah. education process means a lot to people. Absolutely. Uh, there, there have been 
you know, I don't know, millions of entrepreneurs who started their business uh, basically because the boss was making so much money and I could do a lot <laughs> better. And they go out there and they launch that business and they realize, oh, <laughs> Yeah, I might I might have been one of them. I might have been one that did that. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little bit of an awakening process for sure. Absolutely. Okay, so in the book, you talk about uh, in you know loving what you do and why this is so important. So talk about this. Why is loving what you do so important? So pivotal uh, or paramount for success. Well, again, for me, it's lifelong lessons for anybody. Uh, we, we, we spend so much time in our, our hiring process to make sure that we try to get the right fit. But, but ultimately, I encourage any, every, anybody and everybody to find something that they're passionate about, whether it's doing something on your own or working for somebody else. Figure out your why and, and what you can do to ultimately be better uh, yourself and, and accomplish your personal goals. And what you want to do, I, I hear so many stories about people that have worked their entire life and they just can't wait to retire because they're miserable. And, man, I just uh, I can't imagine going through life like that. I, uh, I, I just uh, feel for those people. And ultimately, we try to create opportunities inside our company that uh, we can get people in the right lane and where they're really comfortable and where they can excel. And uh, I think every business owner should do that. And ultimately, as, as Jim Collins likes, likes to say in his book, Good to Great, I mean, really about getting the right people on the bus and then getting them in the right seat so they can perform well. Yeah, uh, I love Jim Collins. I think that was one of those books that really uh, opened my eyes to uh, uh, to the hiring process uh, or to, I guess, uh, bettering the hiring process. So let's talk about that. What should managers look for uh, when they're hiring, you know, when they're hiring individuals uh talk about this yeah there's another great book out there called top grading i don't know if you've uh, you've heard of that but brad smart wrote a book called top grading and it's all about trying to hire the right people and hiring a players and uh, some of those types of things but i think from from my standpoint what i would say is every company has a culture whether it's intentional or not your company has a culture uh, I, I would say until 2011, our culture was accidental, although we had a good culture uh, because of the way I was raised and, and just because of the way I treated people. But it wasn't intentional. After 2011, it really became intentional. And, and that's what we coach now. Uh, but really, you have to get people that believe in number one, you have to have a why in your company or a core purpose. And uh, you have to get people that really support that. For us, it's helping others become more successful in work and in life. And ultimately, if, if we don't hire people with an attitude that is appreciative of, of other people's success, uh, then it's very difficult for them to really be passionate about helping other people be successful. And that's really what our whole business model is about, both inside and outside our company. So really, to answer your question, there's there's some great information in, in top grading, a, a career history form that we use to, to really uh, hire on our core values, uh, to get the right people in our company that really fit our core values. And, and that overall hiring process being more systematic has really helped us get people in our company that can support what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate about uh, Amazon is that I think they do it twice a year now. Certainly, they do it once a year. Well, they'll pay uh, their employees five grand to quit. 
Yeah. You know, if you're unhappy here, if you don't see yourself uh, thriving here, we'll, you know, we'll give you five grand, get out. Yeah, I've heard Zappos. I've heard Zappos does that too, especially after uh, you know a month of being hired there. Uh, we've uh, we've actually made a few offers like that over the years as well. So uh, we've we've picked some of those things up. It's uh, you, you know again, it doesn't it, just because people don't perform well at your company or they don't fit in your company it doesn't make them bad people at all. That's the thing I like to emphasize. It hey, ever everybody's everybody can fit somewhere, but everybody's not going to specifically fit in your company or our company. Uh, if it's done correctly. Right. And, and the other thing that people have to realize that if that employee gets an opportunity where it resonates with them better for whatever reason, it's a better fit for them. Chances are they're going to put in their resignation. So it's, it's, it's not personal. It is purely finding a place or, or finding somebody that fits with the place or the, as you said, the culture or, uh, you know, again, it's not a personal thing. It's not that they're good or bad. It's not that they're a bad person. It's just that, hey, this person is even a better fit. And sometimes, to you know, uh, back to Jim Collins, to go from good to great or from, you know, from better to best, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm probably a little bit unique in the fact that I, I encourage people when they leave our company, uh, especially those that I feel we've mentored and coached and, and really added some value to that they can go do that in other companies and kind of spread the message of the type of culture that we created. But I, I, I applaud those people. I mean, it's all about I mean, it fits our core purpose and my core purpose of helping somebody be more successful. So. Uh, hey, and you know, at the end of the day, we usually go out and we find somebody uh, that's better. Our hiring practices get better. And uh, even some of our best individuals that have left, uh, our goal every time somebody leads is, okay, let's try to let's try to upgrade this spot to potentially somebody that can take it to another level. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about this, because there's a lot in the media. You constantly hear something about the new generation or the millennials. So give me your take. How are newer generations entering the workforce different in terms of what they want or what they expect give it give, give me your thoughts on this yeah i'll use my cell phone as an example this is what i like to say to everybody i mean think about the millennials and the gen z's that are entering the population and entering the workforce today they've since the time they've been uh, two years old they've been able to google up and find anything that they need to know so my my big thing is uh, hey give them a why and 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 hire around that and if you can if you can have a, a core purpose and a mission and a vision statement that can be explained and uh, they can truly get behind it and you tell them the why about uh, everything that we're doing I, I think that makes a huge difference with these uh, these generations that are coming up I think the work ethic in every generation has been good and bad so it depends on the person that you you hire so. Uh, I, I'm not a proponent of uh, believing that the work ethic has changed. I'm, uh, actually, just the opposite. I think the work ethic can be just as, as strong as long as they know what they're doing. Uh, we also couple that in our company and, and a lot of our coaching methods with open book management. So, again, I just think these generations are, are more curious and they want to know more information. And if you can share the financials and, and they understand how a business operates so they can think and act like owners, uh, then hey, I think they're more engaged. And the reality of it is we have an engagement problem in the United States. Uh, nearly 70% of the population is disengaged at work. So uh, that's that's a huge epic in uh, in the United States that uh, we're trying to fix. Sure. sure. I want to talk about something you mentioned several times, and that is 
find the why. And I want to maybe spend some time about this because a lot of people sometimes overlook it or they think their why is money. And, you know, when I was first starting off in business, that was my why. I'm doing this because it's going to make X amount of money and money is going to make me this and that. And I found out later in life that that why is kind of very superficial, right? It's, yeah, we all want to make money, but that's not always a great why. So, so talk about the importance of a why. Yeah, I, I love it. Again, I'll refer to another book, but I'll, I'll refer to Simon Sinek uh, uh, with his book, Start With Why, and it really resonated with me as one of the books that, uh, hey, you know, in, in 2011, as I, I was 10 years into this business, 12 years into this business, I, I thought, man, number one, we're, we doubled in sales in two years, and I went from 12 million to 24 million in sales and ultimately didn't put any more money on the bottom line. So while I was driven by money, uh, we weren't really making any more money, even though we're working a lot harder. Uh, so everything kind of resonated with me. And, and ultimately what I figured out in 2011 and, and probably a little late in life, uh, about 40 years old, I figured out that what really uh, motivates me is creating opportunities for people and helping them excel, uh, helping them become more successful. That's really where our why as a company came from. And mentally, I thought about that, I'm sure, through the years because I had a bad habit of getting down to a final two candidates. And then I ultimately hired them both and then figured out what to do, uh, even before reading some of the books uh, that, that I've read. So again, I just sometimes wish you could go back 20 years and know what you know today. And, and that's really the, the reason for the book uh, to try to share that with people. Uh, the, the reason I talk to my daughters about all the, all the different things that I've learned over the years that, man, if you, if, if I would have known what I knew today, 20 years ago, I just, I, I kind of sit back and say, man, where would we be if I'd have known everything? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know what? And it's, and it's, uh, uh, Man, it's unfortunate that it's that the the shortcut to getting to where you're at is listening to somebody like like yourself, right? Who's been there and done that, and reading books, uh, you know, that have been written by by people who uh, who've actually done it. That to me is the shortcut. But even even though it's going to be a shortcut, and it might it might save you, you know, years off that, uh, you know, learning experience, it just takes time. And, you know, you get to, uh, to around our age and all that experience, uh, at least it's, uh, which word I'm looking for. It's kind of nice. It gives you a little peace of mind, if you will, that it's going to work out that, you know, but when, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, it was, you know, there was a, I didn't have as much faith and, you know, you're trying to put out all these fires and you're trying to, you know, hurry up and get here and there. And then, you know, again, where I'm at now is I know that no matter what, it's going to take time. It's going to take money. You're going to go through this for ups and downs. It's a process and I'm definitely calmer, but like you, man, I wish I would have had this knowledge when I was in my twenties or thirties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure you're a lot like me. You're always seeking out other people, too, that have been at a different level, a higher level. Uh, one of the things I've spent the last seven or eight years doing is just networking and uh, with with different CEOs and uh, just the creating mentors and, and coaches outside that 
hey, you know, we're not done yet. We've got a business model that uh, has uh, potential. Uh, hopefully, more than that. We're we're only in forty states. We've got international opportunities, so we've still got a lot of challenges ahead of us and and bridges I haven't crossed yet. So. I'm out there looking for uh, for people to add to the team, number one, but also just mentors that uh, can uh, can help guide me through some of those challenges that we're going to have ahead of us. Sure, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I love about individuals like you is it does expand the mind. Because I, I think I'm big, and then I get around somebody like you, and I realize I'm thinking small, or I could be thinking bigger. Yeah, no, uh, I'm the same way. It's uh, I, I love I love success stories and uh, maybe may a little bit warped, but I uh, I've never been jealous of anybody else's success. I, I was just raised to to dream big, uh, work hard, and and anything is is achievable. And man, I truly believe that, and I try to instill that mindset in in everybody that I run across. And uh, uh, you know, many of them embrace it, and I know I know I've been able to make an impact. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just I don't think there's any boundaries in what any single individual can do if they put their mind to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, real quick. The, the book is called. Uh, uh, let's see. Let me pop it up here so I can say it correctly. Keeping score with grit. Uh, straight talk strategies for success. I love that straight talk strategies for success. All right, let me ask you this, because we've talked a lot about the hiring process. In your opinion, uh, what can CEOs and managers do to ensure that their employees love their job? Well, I think first you have to you have to set the culture. You have to you have to set the bar uh, and create an environment where people are comfortable, uh, whatever that environment is. I mean, you you have to know what your workers want and ultimately you have to create a, a place that you're comfortable with. So. Uh, for me, I like to tell people that, hey, the only thing I do is create an environment and uh, a, a culture, uh, an office space, whatever that might be, that that people can excel in. And they have to ultimately create that culture themselves. So num number one, you have to have a purpose, a mission, a vision and core values. Uh, you can't just write these core values down. You have to live by them, breathe by them, hire by them. Uh, coach up, coach out by core values, uh, because the, the the weakest link in a chain uh, is that employee that you allow to stay around that may be toxic to the culture. So if you allow that, then that's the type of bar that you're setting. So it's it's a constant effort to make sure that people are are living by your core values. What we do is we sit down every 90 days. We go through what we call a grit session a routine that we sit and talk about each of our core values and how we're performing to those core values. Yes, there's a little bit of results uh, conversation that goes in there, but I don't believe in performance reviews. We're always looking forward. Uh, it's more heavily based on these core values and, and is the individual living up to the core values? And if they're not, we're going to coach them up or we're going to coach them out. And uh, that's where the straight talk uh, part of the uh, conversation comes in if uh, if you can't uh, ultimately make those tough decisions as as a CEO and and as a leadership team whatever it might be uh, you're going to allow that culture to get to a place that you don't want it to be so you have to make those tough decisions sometimes to to let people go and uh, again we we like to we've gotten so good at coaching them out that typically they make that decision on their own and 
I don't want to end on a negative note, but what that what that does is that ultimately allows this culture to build and to thrive with individuals that like to be around each other. You've heard the old saying that, you know, A players like to be around A players. I mean, winners like to be around winners. Uh, so uh, those are the, those are the types of things that you've got to make some tough decisions on as a as a leader sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's uh, it's interesting. There are people who are going to watch this and listen to this, and they're going to say core values. Come on, uh, Sean. Everybody talks about core values, and and Sean, you correct me if I'm wrong. And and there are some people who put up core values because it sounds good but it's not really part of their culture. It's just something that, that they put up there because it looks good on a website or it looks good on the wall, but they don't really live it. And it doesn't take, you know, your, it doesn't take very long for your employees to know that. And all of a sudden those core values, really, the reason they're not working is because you're not living them. Yeah, you're 100% right. And if those core, I mean, the, our core values came from me. I mean, they're core values in me. And we, we had some team involvement as well, but Hey, if you put core values up there that you're not living yourself, if you're not if you're not living it by an example uh, and you're not truly embracing it and, and talking about them routinely and having conversations with your staff about them, uh, then, you know, they are just words on the wall. So you, you might as well not have them if uh, if, if you're not going to live by them. And, and uh, but the companies that I have met over the years that have done that. Uh, successfully are typically the ones that are truly thriving and it's not it's never it's never fake uh, core, core values have to be really ingrained in in the leadership and the leadership team and and those people really have to be bought in and they have to be living by those core values or, or they are just words sure sure so let's say somebody who's watching this and they're going hey this sounds great you know uh, Sean I can't wait till my company is big enough to have core values. And again, so, so my question, let me rephrase that. So my question is, with your experience and now with your grit coach coaching program, is there a point where core values should be implemented? Or do you think that even a company that's just a one or two person company should have core values first? Yeah, we, we coach some very small companies. I invest in small companies. I've invested in a, a very small, uh, uh, about three years ago, landscape company that we've taken from about $800,000 to, to now over $2 million in revenue. And one of the first things I do is implement strategic plans, uh, core purpose. Again, it goes back to knowing what I know now. If I'm looking at investing in a startup company uh, and plan to do that more often, but yeah, from day one, you know, if I had all of this to do over again from day one, I would have those things lined out. And that's the way I would encourage anybody to do from, uh, you know, a startup company to uh, if somebody's wanting to make a change in their company. Uh, and in particular, if you're wanting to scale to any degree, you better have them because you, you have to hire by these core values and you have to work by them. Uh, or you're just not going to have a culture that's uh, that's comfortable for you. There will be a time in a growing company that you literally can't talk to everybody as much as you would like to. And that's really where I was in 2011. Yeah. 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 Ultimately, you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and, and know that you have uh, a set of rules 
or a set of values that you're governed by. And, and I think that uh, the sooner that's implemented, the better. Uh, the book, again, is called Keeping Score with Grit, Straight Talk Strategies for Success. I'm going to put a link here in the show notes. And uh, Sean, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, uh, what's the best website for them to find out more about you and your programs? Yeah, the, the best site would be www.seanbercham.com. That's S-H-A-W-N, Bircham, B-U-R-C-H-A-M or gritbusinesscoaching.com. That's grit with two T's, gritbusinesscoaching.com. Uh, both of those websites uh, are available for anybody, and there's a lot of free information on both of them uh, to take advantage of. Well, Sean, thank you so much for stopping by. Enjoyed the information. I hope that uh, you, our viewers, will uh, jot some of these down, or hopefully you've already jotted them down and you're able to implement some of them. The book, again, Keeping Score with Grit, Straight Talk Strategies for Success, uh, the links below uh, and also available on Amazon. Sean, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you, Bert. Congrats on your success, and it's been my pleasure. All righty. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch, and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.